Glad to have you with us today on demand. You know, truth is amazing. It's one of those things that can get away from you. And in our day and time, it really is on trial. Liberating the power of the truth. It, it liberates, it lifts. John 8, 32 says it well, you shall know the truth and the truth can set you free. But I want to show you a story today that can help you see the power of the truth and how it can unleash great things in your life. It's all about the truth, having a, a truthful conversation, people. When you sit down with somebody and they tell you the truth, Today, John chapter 4, somebody's going to tell a young woman the truth, and it will change her life. One truth can change everything. Stay with us today. Look, my friend, on demand is where you are, and on demand is what you're going to get today. You want a word? You got one coming. Stay right there. Enjoy today's message. I'll be back to pray with you at the end, so stay there. Well, glad you're back. Listen, today's sermon is absolutely phenomenal to me. Um... The sermon talks about something that I've been thinking about, and I believe this on trial today, and it's the truth. That's what's on trial. Can you handle the truth is what I want to talk about today. And I want to show you the liberating power of the truth. Now, when you know the truth, uh, it's amazing. Now, there are certain things that I could not face. And <laughs> I, I'll give you a list later on of truths that I had trouble dealing with. There's some things in my life I just felt like I... Well, I thought I could deal with it, but in reality, I struggled. When I look back, I can see when it came to certain topics, uh, money, when it came to family, when it came to my own attitude about certain things, my own fear, academic fears. There are a lot of things, a lot of truths that I didn't face until I got a little older, until I learned. Sometimes uh, leadership, truth, truth about leadership, being a leader. What was that like emotionally for me? And there's something about this sermon today that I think will help you see. We're going to go to John chapter 4. And in John chapter 4, there's a woman that has an encounter with Christ that's unexpected, and it changes her life. And, and the words of John chapter 8 really will make all, a lot of sense to you. If you can write this down, John 8, 32, it says, And you shall know the truth. And I want to, let me read it for you in the NIV version, because it's a little bit clearer. Start in verse 31, John chapter 8. To the Jews... Who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know if you hold to these truths, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. If you listen to what I'm telling you, you will know the truth and it will free you. John chapter four. Watch this incredible encounter where Jesus leads the woman to freedom and he does it in an unexpected way. I love the story because it starts off with an incredible surprise. Jesus is on his way, and he, as he travels, he finds himself faced with going to Samaria. Now, Samaria was the route you would avoid always. They never went through Samaria. It was the route that all Jews avoided. Listen to John chapter 4, verse 1, because they didn't like the Samaritans, by the way. Verse 1, now he would come, John chapter 4, verse 4. Now, he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. Now, think about this. Jesus is sitting there, and there is this moment when he's sitting there, and there is uh, this fatigue, he's tired, he's, he's been traveling, and he's been walking, and so he, the disciples have gone off to get food, and he's just sitting there, and all of a sudden, he runs across this woman. So he's now about to have an unexpected encounter. 
and he's going to make an unexpected request. Listen to this request. Now remember, this is a Jew, Jesus, and he's encountering the Samaritan, who is a what they would call a half-breed. They had intermarried. They were no longer what Jews considered as true Jewish people. And so listen to this exchange and watch what happens. He, ha he asked her for something that a Jew would never ask a woman alone for. Watch this. Verse 7. And when, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone in town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Ah, I love it. Jews, do not talk to us. I don't know why you are, you are, you are making uh, this request of me. It's a moment. Now, she got a little attitude, got a little sass. But I want you to understand how she simply says, the truth is, we don't deal with each other. She's real honest, real forthright. But notice with me this incredible claim Jesus makes. It's an unexpected claim he makes. Look with me at verse 10. Jesus said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the, the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water that I will give him, watch this now, he'll never thirst again. He'll never thirst again. Whoever drinks the water that I give him. This is going to be a whole different experience, he says. And, and, and so she pauses and she said, what? What did you say? Yeah, it's going, to, it's going to be a well springing up into eternal life if you drink the water that I give you. It's going to be amazing. So there's this encounter with this woman, and now there's going to be an unexpected revelation. Sometimes in moments when you have surprise encounters, God's trying to show you something that you didn't know. He tells her, you know, you're going to have this water, and it's going to spring up into everlasting life. It's going to be amazing going to love it. But look with me and notice what he says now in the next verse, verse 15. This is good. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't go get thirsty and have to keep coming <laughs> here to draw water. And he told her, go call your husband and come back. So he, he flips it on her and says, okay, I've got some water that you don't know about. It's going to water that can lead to eternal life. But then he says this to her. He says, you know what? Tell you what, I'll give you the water because she's like really impressed. Okay, well, if you got this water that can stop me from making these trips, then hey, dude, sir, give me the water. She is then asked one question that changes everything. One question. Go get your husband. Well, I, I'll help you if, you if your husband gives me permission. Where's your husband at? Now, her response is, is phenomenal. Verse 17, I have no husband. I don't have a man. I don't have a husband. Now listen to verse 17 again. I have no husband. She replied, Jesus said to her, you are right. When you say you have no husband, the fact is you have had five husbands and the man you have now is not your, is not your husband. What you have just said is true, quite true. You're right. You've had five. 
Now, that's kind of rude. <clears throat> you can kind of go, well, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, sir. <laughs> that's rude. But no, it's the truth. Has anybody confronted you with the truth about yourself? And, and this was one issue in her life. Her romantic habits were out of control. Going from man to man to man to man to man. Love, love relationship to love, relationship to love, relationship. And for somebody in this, <laughs> in this day and age, and the way women were oppressed, to have five, let me tell you one thing, she probably was very good looking. And consistently determined. And I'm sure all the women in town knew who she was. So here's a woman who is still going down this road and there's nobody that's apparently going to stop her because she's now man number six now. And I think this is a moment of truth where she is confronted. Now, her response to this truth is going to change everything. Now, let me stop and say this. This is unexpected. She never expected to have to deal with this. She never expected to be confronted. She never expected for anybody to say anything to her. This is a moment when her whole life is on the line and she now makes a decision. Her response is amazing because now there's this unexpected revelation that's been, been poured out in the public and she's sitting there and she, watch what she says to him. I, I, her response is amazing. Sir, the woman said, verse 19, I see that you're, I see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Pause for a minute. Think about this. Our response is, oh, you're a prophet. Oh, okay. Okay, you see things. Okay. Yeah, but let me tell you something. You worship in the wrong place. You go to the wrong church. You are not in our community. You're a Jew and you say worship in Jerusalem. We say worship here. Now, I'm trying to figure out how this conversation is switching. All you ask you to do is get your husband. Why are you now talking about where we worship? It's amazing. Notice this woman is focused on a place, a building, a location. Can you relate to this today? She, her big issue is, hey, 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 don't be talking to me about my personal life. You worship in the wrong place. <laughs> You know, you just want to say, girl, are you distracted? What, 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 what's, with this, what's with this focus on uh, location? I want to tell you something this, this, this whole season has revealed to me. We are location focus, building focus. It's all about where we are more than who we are. And I, I think in this moment, there is something that's going to happen. Look at verse 21. Jesus responds, woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the father. Watch this now. Neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You have you, you Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and truth. Now, she starts off this conversation labeling Jesus as a prophet. True. And she's focusing on a physical place. You see that, right? And I love the fact that Jesus says, well, first of all, let me get your theology straight. Let me get your view of God right. This did not start with, uh, with you, Gentiles. So it didn't start with the Samaritans. 
The Jews came with this message of the one God. He said, you guys are worshiping everything. And so he says, I want you to be clear theologically. So he, he takes a theological stand. No, no, you're wrong about this. And this is a note here. You can't be right about everything. Pastor Rick, can I ask you a question? Are you saying that, that, that you can be right about, about, about everything? No, probably not. But you need to take a stand somewhere. And he takes a stand. He says, no, girl, listen, wait a minute. Now, hold on. You're wrong about that. This all started here with the Jews. And he says, now, and understand, secondly, that you are not to worship, you know, that Jerusalem is the place. But here's the bottom line. I love the fact that he gets past the right or wrong of the theology. This is important. He gets past the right or wrong of the theology. Let me say it one more time. He gets past, goes past, steps over the right or wrong of the theology. And he says this. It's more important to be worshiper of God in truth. It's about being sincere, not about a location. It's about your heart. Here's what I believe. Your theology can be wrong because you just don't know better. It could be an academic issue. You got the verb in the wrong place. You don't understand a lot of things about what's technically correct because you just don't understand it. All she knew was what she was told and taught. That's all she knows. And guess what? That's all you know. That's all you know. I, I don't worship theology. I have a strong theology. I have strong convictions about a lot of stuff. Believe me, the deity of Christ, the forgiveness of sins, the death on the cross, the atonement. I got a lot of strong views. But there's one thing that's amazing in this story. I have to admit that I don't know everything. Well, I know some things are absolutely correct. I agree with you. I am, a, I am convinced that I do and I must and I must be convinced and I am clear. But let's, let's hear this now. This is a woman who has in her heart been looking for something. God knows that. Sometimes a person can have bad theology, can have a wrong approach to something, and God looks beyond all of that and says, let me swim into this person's heart and let me show them what they really want. And he comes in unexpected ways. For some of you, it could be this, this moment with me. It's an unexpected process you're going through in your mind, and you never thought you'd think this way. So watch what happens. An unexpected conclusion. <laughs> the woman's response, verse 25. The woman said, I know the Messiah called Christ is coming. Now, she switches from what Jesus just said to her about location. And she says, I've heard about this Messiah. Watch how she's jumped subjects again. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, am he. Wow. I'm he. I'm the guy. And watch this unexpected response. Watch this unexpected turn. Watch this this incredible moment in verse 27. Jesus, then his disciples returned. His disciples came back and were surprised uh, to see him talking to a woman. They were surprised. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking to her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and to the people. Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? then came out of the town and made their way toward him. Watch this. They came to see because of this woman. <laughs> unexpected response, unexpected results, unexpected conversations, unexpected everything. But God had a plan.
Oh, man, you may not have a plan, but God knew. Down there in Samaria, there is a woman who's trying to find her way. There is a woman who's seeking God. There is a woman who's asking God for grace. There is a woman. Didn't say her name. Didn't say her family's name. Didn't say all she was was a woman with a problem and an issue. And God knew this woman was there. Now, let me tell you something. You may not know, but God knows. Mm. You may look bad and you may have a bad history and you may have done all kinds of things and you may have 20 men. You may have had 15 women. It doesn't matter. God knew this woman was looking for the truth. But let me tell you what he does. He'll send it in a way you don't expect it. So in this encounter, she comes. And because of one truth, notice what she told She said, come see a man, verse 29, come see a man who told me everything I did. That was the one thing. Somebody knew what I did and did not, watch this now, did not reject me, did not hype on it, did not dwell on it. He just said it and moved on. This was a guy who, who offered me something, even though I am not a person who you would think should deserve it, offered me life eternal, talked about some kind of eternal water that would change my life. Come here, a guy who talked to me. He didn't flirt with me. He didn't wink at me. He did not use my weakness. Obviously, she had a weakness for men, but he didn't use that. Let me ask you a question. When you are alone with a woman that's struggling, do you find that weakness and kind of, hey, girl, do you, do you, do you, do you? Some, some people would have flirted with the woman at the well. So, sometimes, you know, as a woman, you're just looking for somebody who's not going to prey on your weakness. And so she grunts and she tells everybody, come see a man who told me about myself. Now, I know everybody's in town going, yeah, we know about you. I mean, who, you, you talk, who's this? In, okay, you talk to a guy and he uh, didn't flirt with you. You didn't flirt with him. And you're excited that he told you about yourself. Well, we've been wanting to tell you about yourself. <laughs> so let, let's go see who this guy is. And so she goes and everybody floods to go hear Jesus. The man who didn't flirt, the man who didn't take advantage of her weakness, the man who simply told her the truth. Man, wow. Mm, mm, mm. I thought about this story and I thought about what was the truth I couldn't hear. What was one truth that may be in my life? that I couldn't hear. And I wonder, what is the one truth you can't hear? What is the one truth that would change your life if you heard it? What is the one encounter with God that would change your life? For some of you right now, the truth is you're stubborn. That's the truth. The one truth. If you change that one truth, it changed everything in your life. For some of you, the issue is you don't, you don't, you don't know enough about what you're dealing with. You're in a career on a path in business and you don't have any clue and you're just trying to fake it and you don't know. You need to pause and ask somebody. That's the one truth that could change everything. The way you're spending your money. Oh, we all can hear that sometimes, right? The one truth is stop giving it all away. Stop doing some things that, you know, I've done in my life. You just give it all away. You're not careful in the name of being a giver. Some of you, you're not, you don't honor God. You don't give to anybody I mean, I don't know. You know what it is. Some of you know the one thing that you need to hear. But let me just say this as a sidebar. Sometimes if you're not careful, you're so stubborn and so hard to reach, people don't even try anymore. Have people given up on trying to talk to you? 
Have you made it a mountain climb to give you advice? Have you made it difficult for you? If you have, then sometimes God can't get the truth to you. What I did was, I, I want to, just for a minute, give you a list of truths I struggled with. And this is like an honest list. Now, whenever you hear me saying these sermons, this is my list. If you're nosy, pay close attention. This is my list. You ready? Number one. Here you go. I believe that certain relationships and activities would not have value. I, I had a hard time believing that. Let me say it again. That there were certain relationships and activities that would not have value in my life. I thought all relationships had value. But I did not realize that there were certain relationships and activities, relationships and activities that did not and would not have value in my life. They would not. I just didn't need to be a part of that activity. I did not. It would not help me. It would not make my life any better. And that was the, the, a truth at certain seasons in my life that I couldn't I couldn't face. I thought all activities just being busy was important. And then again, certain relationships. Just look at the relationship. I always tell people, if you want to know if a relationship is helping you, look at when you started, where you were and where you are now. If it's taking you down, 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 then this may not be a value. It may feel good to you. And that's what's really important. And let me just sidestep this and say this for church people. There's a question sometimes that when you join a ministry or when you get involved with religious, certain religious people, if you're not careful, the value, the, the, the demands that they put on you can take so much from you that the quality of your life goes down. They take up all your time, all your money. They make you feel guilty about everything. They want to intrude on all of your life. And if you're not careful, the value of it goes down. I've seen preachers take churches, right, and they want to be a pastor. And, and this church has drained them. It has sucked the life out of them. And they think there's value in it. And I've, I've had to really step back and say, there's no value in this. I'm not saying there's not value in other things, but I, in this area, this relationship I'm in, or this activity, I need to review that. And for some of you, that would be just a great moment. And we've seen a lot of that during this season. Because there's some things you can't do now. And so you reevaluate them and you know, you're starting to go, mm, maybe I can do without that. Or maybe this wouldn't be as good. Let me get to number two. Second thing on my list. My happiness cannot be the responsibility of the people around me. That's the second thing. My happiness cannot be the responsibility of the people around me. I don't think everybody should feel that their job is to make me happy. In particular, for example, my wife. I don't think it's my wife's job to make me happy. I think that I can be a part of her happiness but Ricky, as wonderful as I try to be, cannot be totally um, reliant upon her uh, ability to smile at me or whatever I need. Uh, I, I, can't, I, I can't put that whole burden on her. Uh, I, I read something one time that really kind of bothered me a little bit, but it was interesting. The guy said, you shouldn't make your, your wife your best friend. Here's what he said. Hang with me. Because he said, you put all the burden of your friend needs on her. Now, I, now my wife is my best, a best friend of mine. But my wife doesn't want to talk about certain things. My wife, my wife and I have a great relationship. But I don't feel that the burden of all of my happiness should be upon her. And so I'm sitting there saying, come on, Diane, make me happy, girl. Come on now, you know, you're my best friend. I need you to talk to me every time I need to talk. Or I'm not going to be a happy person with you. I mean, give me a break. You know, my wife is, is, doesn't want to sit around and talk about theologies. Theologies, I got theology friends. I got professors, I got doctorate dudes who talk to me about that kind of stuff. 
I got people who want to talk about um, sports. Uh, she may talk about sports. She's a sports fan, but she certain things that we don't talk about. So I don't put that burden on her. We are close. Some of you go, oh, wait, I don't like that part. I don't like that part because best friend. I understand. I understand. Believe me, I understand. But I've had moments in my life when I think I put too much burden on her. I put too much of a burden on her. In this job, there's all kinds of issues. And there are times I need to talk to a pastor. One time she told me that. One time I was going through this hard emotional moment, and she said, you need to call you a pastor friend. <laughs> yes, she did. I thought that was cold, but she was right. Rick, I can't help you pass this point. And sometimes you're mad with people who can't help you pass that point. They can't, they can't help you pass this point. You need, to, you need to pray in, seek out counseling or some other tool instead of making it all about your children have to make you happy and your grandchildren have to make you happy. You're putting all that burden on one person and sometimes they can't carry it because it's your, it's your responsibility. Number three on my list. You ready? God was not responsible for all my life outcomes. One more time. God was not responsible for all of my life outcomes. There's a role I play. Galatians chapter 6 says, verse 7 through 9, basically, I reap what I sow. God, God didn't create all of my issues. Your financial issues weren't created by God. You, you charged those cards up. You did that. You married that person. You chose them. You told God that's who you wanted. He got, he's tall, dark, and handsome. And he was also a fighter. You didn't, you didn't think about that. And you, or you knew, but you said, well, I'll pray it away from him or her. Sometimes it's not just that guy. Ooh, some of you women, ooh, you throw some mean elbows. You rough girl, you cute, but you mean. Wow. Anyway, so this, this, <laughs> this, this is an amazing truth. I, I had to learn that God was not responsible for all of my life outcomes. Wait a minute, question. Are you saying God wasn't responsible for the good outcomes in your life? You're not going to give God the glory. You're not going to give God the praise. Are you trying to say you did it in your own flesh, in your own strength? You're so spiritual. Stop it. Listen to me. He said, you reap what you sow, good or bad. I set before you a choice today. Choose life or death. He said, it's up to you. If the good, and when the good comes, you can say, I was obedient and I, I obeyed the, the principles and, I got, and, and God allowed the good, good things God said would come to me. You know, I, I, I don't know why we think God's so paranoid and he's got the, you know, I, when I see people, sometimes they'll, they'll, they'll do something great and they say, I didn't do it. The Lord did it for me. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord gave me this degree. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord gave you the brains to sit there and study and get the degree. He don't mind clapping for you saying, yeah, you did that. You did that. You prepared yourself. That's why you make the money you make. Yes, you do. You, you deserve that car. You deserve that house. You deserve what you got. And some of you on the other side, he said, yeah, you deserve that jail sentence. You deserve them years. You did do that. I told you not to, but you didn't listen. I, I told you. You're sleeping around with everybody. You're all full of lust, watching, sitting there watching pornography. Ooh, Lord, look at that. Look at that girl. <laughs> you are sowing a seed. And sometimes you created, created this whole toxic environment. You did that. God is not responsible for all of our life outcomes. He said, I'm giving you, Adam, the planet. You're responsible for the outcome. Don't eat the fruit. If you eat the fruit, you will die. That's your outcome that you created. So here's what you got to do. Create a new outcome. Join the club. Obey God. Do what he said. Deuteronomy 28. They're about when he said, you know, if you obey me, this is what's going to happen. If you disobey me, this is what's going to happen to you. You'll be blessed in the city, blessed in the field. I love that verse. Then I got to move on. Number five. You ready? Watch this. 
Number five, financial advancement is impossible in certain lifestyle models, families, and cultures. Certain, this, this is something that, this was, this was a truth. Remember, I told you the woman at the well, it was a truth that he shared with her. And I'm going through my list of truths that I had trouble with at certain seasons. Here's one, you ready? Write it again. Financial advancement is impossible, I learned this, in certain lifestyle models. Uh, as long as you think a certain way, there's certain things that will never happen in your life. As long as you think a certain way, there's certain opportunities that will never, ever be possible. The way we run church, the way we do certain things, it will never grow beyond a certain size. The way we engage people, the way we expect certain things, the way we talk down to people, the way we teach people, they don't understand what we're saying. And that's why this whole, this whole medium right now is bothering people because it forces you to teach, to talk. You can't just hide. You've got to say something. Here we go. You ready? Number five. Sometimes, a truth that I have trouble with, sometimes you cannot go back. All you can do is go forward. Philippians 3.13. I had to learn that. I used to spend a lot of time going back, looking back. Oh, I should have, could have, would have. I've learned that that didn't help. Here we go. Number six. Success will take longer than expected. It takes a while to get the right pieces in the right places. I had to learn that. And I struggled with that. I thought success should be now. Right, right now, the Lord, bring it on. I prayed. All right, here it comes. Where is it? Where is it? I prayed. I asked God for it. It's not dropping down. All right. Sometimes it takes longer. Mm. Get that one. Free your mind from being guilty. Free your mind from being frustrated because you didn't get married when you thought you should or you didn't have what you thought you should have. Okay, one more. I got to go. Here you go. Number seven. I had good reasons for not doing some good things. I had good reasons. It took me a while to, to grab a hold of that truth. There are some good things that I did not need to do. Man, wow. I thought I should do all good things, but I had some good reasons. It, it's, it was a good reason to miss church that week because my kids needed my attention. It was a good reason for me not to be available because I needed some rest. I call these covenant conflicts. You got a covenant, you got a conflict with exercise and a conflict with rest. You got a conflict. You're supposed to rest, but you're supposed to exercise. You're supposed to make money, but you, you, you need to spend time with your kids and these covenant conflicts. And so you end up struggling, trying to do every good thing, you know. And it took me a long time, a good while to realize, Temple, you can't do all good things. You can't be on all the boards, all committees. You can't, you can't, you can't. That's the truth. What's the one truth that you need? What's the one truth, the one thing you need? For some of you, it's time. Next week, I'm going to turn this spirit series around and come back to this same story and talk about how truth comes. It often, it, there's an there's a angle to this that you don't want to miss. Truth came to this woman in a way at the well that changed her life, the one truth. But I want to talk more about how it comes. It's, it, it's a real interesting look at how God gets it to you. And there's a unique way. We'll talk about that next time. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for those today who've listened to this message. I pray that it has lifted their minds and their hearts. As I've given them my best effort, I pray they've taken a hold to something and they'll leave this sermon saying, what's the one thing I've not been listening to? What's the one truth that could change my life? I listed seven things I struggle with and it took you seasons to get me to each one. Sometimes it took a year, or two years or three years. 
for me to understand that success comes in pieces. It's not instant. It took, a, it took a while for me to realize that my happiness was not everybody's responsibility. I couldn't put it on my wife. I couldn't put it on my kids. It took a long time for me to understand that financial responsibility and my advancement would never happen if I lived in certain uh, lifestyles, if I allowed a certain model of life to be a part of my life. And Father, you were trying to get me there, but it took me a while to catch on. So today, let it be a moment of healing, a moment of awakening for somebody. The truth is you talk too much. The truth is you're too mean. The truth is whatever the truth is, the one truth, let this be a breakthrough for them, I pray in Jesus name. Amen. Hey, listen, thank you for being with me today. Thank you for spending such a great amount of your time with us today. I, I pray that this has helped you and, and lifted your spirit. And I want to encourage you to do this. If you have thought about what I've said and you said, the truth is, Pastor Rick, I need I need God in my life. What you said today spoke to me. That's the that's the one truth I need. I need to give my life to Jesus. Let me ask you to do this. Some of you right now, I want to just pray. And I want you to just, just join me in this prayer. Father, let this be the moment they say, Jesus, I accept you into my heart. I accept you into my life. That's what I mean. I want you to be a part of my life. I acknowledge my wrong. I acknowledge that you, you, you're right. I need a walk with God. And so today I surrender. I repent. And I ask you. And, I, I, and the word repent means, Lord, I, I change my direction. I turn my eyes towards you. And this is the beginning of a new life for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus died on the cross to give you a chance to be free. He came to give you an opportunity to acknowledge your wrong before God and say, I, 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 was, I was in the wrong place, but now I want to get in the right place. And so if that's where you are today, if that's your desire, here's what I want you to do. I want you to simply just do something simple. On some of your devices, there's an opportunity to raise your hand and simply say, I, I, want, I want to give my life to Jesus. So many do that every week. And if you're in that technology that you have that option, do that. That simply says, I want Jesus in my life. Secondly, some of you say, Pastor, I want to, I want to, I want to email you. I want to, I want to just send an email and say, pray for me, Pastor. I want to give Jesus my life. And there's my email address right there, pastor at overcomingbyfaith.org. And I do personally respond. I want to pray with you, believe with you that this is the beginning of a new day. And for some of you, this is an opportunity for you to say, you know what? I need a real change of life and I'm going to tell somebody else. I'm going to, I'm going to find some, a, a good church, a good, a good, a good friend that, that knows God and, and get them to pray with me. Let this be the beginning of your new life. However you do it, my friend, God loves you and thank you for being with us today. Well, I hope you were blessed by today's message and I hope that you would feel free to continue joining us and hanging out with us. We'd love to have you. Let me say again before I leave, thank you for all of you who support us. We appreciate it so much. Your support means so much to us. And if you missed it earlier, let me say to you, all you got to do is use one of our options that allows you to be a partner with us in your giving. If you'd like to do that, again, all the options are available to you and we appreciate that so much. Thank you for your support. And I also want to say to you finally, you know, God bless you and may you take what you've heard today, apply it to your life and allow your life to, to, to go to the next place. The truth can set you free and you shall know the truth. And I pray today you've heard something that will help you take a closer step toward the truth. God bless you. My name is Pastor Rick. Well, I pray you were blessed by today's message and I pray that it helped you see the power of truth. What is the one truth that you need to face? What is the one thing you could not face? I gave you a list of my issues. What are yours? It's something about looking at your life and saying, I couldn't face that. For a season in my life, I could not face my drinking. I could not face my attitude. I could not face how angry I was. Maybe it's that season. Let me pray for you. Father, let this be a moment of healing for those who listen to this. I pray that they've heard a word that will lift their minds and hearts to face the truth. 
The truth can be liberating if they embrace it. I pray they'd embrace it. I pray the power of your word would liberate them and let this be the beginning of a new journey. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you for being with me today. Got more for you next week, so stay with me. Tune in. It's going to be phenomenal next time. You don't want to miss it. More stuff, more truth, more things that can help you be free. You have a great day. My name is Pastor Ray. Bye-bye.